0: Amen, amen. Let's praise the Lord. Good evening, good evening. It's a joy to be with you tonight. It's a joy to be here. If uh, you have your Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter ten. My name, my name is Justin. I'm the young adult pastor, so I get to lead and serve uh, those post-college, in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. I have the privilege of serving that group. I'm originally from Wichita Falls. I grew up here, went to high school here, went to college here, served in college ministry here, uh, left for a little while to go to college, grad school, came back, served here for 10 years, planted a church for the last 10 years in Salt Lake City, and here I am again, all right? So if you're like, Loving in Wichita Falls, you may end up back here, all right? This may be, if you're not loving Wichita Falls, you might be back here, all right? So that's just part of it. This is where everybody lands. I want to encourage you, college is a time that so much of my spiritual formation took place. In the years that I was in college, it was years of development, years of being equipped, and I'm encouraging you to take advantage of this season of life. Don't forfeit the opportunity you have right now to be invested in. You have amazing leaders and volunteers that are serving you guys, that are pouring into you guys and just want to encourage you in this season to really lean in and soak up all you possibly can. Uh, I believe this is one of the best seasons of your life, but it can easily be one of those seasons that you're looking towards what's next. So next is coming, but live in this season and soak up all that the Lord has for you and be developed and equipped in this season. I hope to do that for you tonight. Uh, So we're going to be talking about John 10 tonight. It's this idea that Jesus is stating one of his famous I am statements, I am the good shepherd. And immediately our mindset kind of goes to this idea of this little cuddly little sheep and Jesus there with kind of the shepherd attire. And that's kind of the picture we get. But context is everything. We need to, to really look at the Bible and look at the original audience into which it was intended to be read, because it's easy for us to just bring our 2023 viewpoint of what's happening in the life of Jesus and like, yeah, I love that picture of Jesus, but what Jesus is actually doing, he's flexing some of his shepherding skills, and he's really pressing into some of the bad shepherds that existed in this time frame. So we got to know that. We got to understand what's going on in the context here. And so if you look in John chapter 10, I think it's down in 22, we got this time stamp there where we, where we see a little bit about what time frame and what kind of season this is happening at. And it says it's at the time of the Feast of Dedication. Now that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Like we're wondering what in the world is the Feast of Dedication. Uh, but this is the typical season of Hanukkah. That Jews would come together and they would celebrate the dedication, the rededication of the temple. See, in like 162 BC, there was the Maccabean Revolt where they came in and they took back over the Jewish temple and rededicated it to the Lord. And they're beginning to question and asking like, why in the world was the temple taken in the first place? Who was was the shepherd then? Who was leading then? Who were the guides? Who were the ones that were in charge? And why in the world were they there? And Jesus is coming in the midst of this time frame. He's coming in the midst of the celebration of Hanukkah in a time where they would be looking back and they would be reading Ezekiel 34. We're going to read that in just a minute where they would be looking back at Ezekiel 34 and they would be talking about the bad shepherds of Israel and Jesus walks in and he goes, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm not, I'm not one of the good shepherds. I'm the good shepherd. Now, if I walked in here today and I said, I'm the good preacher, all right? That's quite a statement, right? Like I'm really stagging myself against Stephen and Pastor Bob and like, like I'm the good preacher, Hey, I'm, I'm a good preacher. That's it. Jesus doesn't say, I'm a good teacher. I'm a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. It's quite a statement. And he's flexing his shepherding muscles and his shepherding skills. What's important about this is for us to really lean in and understanding that Jesus isn't just making a statement. It's not just a proclamation that we go, oh, that's good to know. Jesus is the good shepherd, great. It's not for theological ascent or wisdom or for us to just chalk up and be like, you know what, if that one's on the exam, I'm gonna make sure and get that one correct. Jesus is, fill in the blank, the good shepherd. I got it. One commentator says this. Whenever God reveals something about his nature, it always comes with the invitation to know him in that way. Never does the understanding of his nature come to us just to make us more theologically sound. No, that's important, but it's secondary. What's important is to know him in that way to encounter him. So that's what my hope is for us tonight, is really to take this idea that Jesus is the good shepherd and for us to walk out these doors later tonight and go, he's my good shepherd. That we would personalize this message that this message wouldn't just be theological knowledge but we would be able to move it from our head to our heart tim chester wrote a book called you can change and in this book he says there is a gap for most christians about what the head knows and what the heart believes Again, if we were given a theological exam where we said, how many of you know that Jesus is powerful? And we'd be like, oh yeah, absolutely. we we'll raise your hands. How many of you know Jesus to be good? Yeah, absolutely, Jesus is good. How many of you know to, Jesus is the good shepherd? Absolutely. But when life begins to press in, when hardships come, when suffering comes, when pain comes, It's in those moments that those theological ideas and knowledge are really put to test. Where we have to move this message from our head into our heart. And what Tim Chester says, that's the process of sanctification. As we begin to close that gap between what the head knows and what the heart believes, that's the process of sanctification. So that's what I want to do for us tonight is move this idea that Jesus is the good shepherd, something that we probably all knew walking in and help move that into our hearts tonight. So the context of this passage is Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the Pharisees. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse six, I'm kind of jumping around in my notes. so You don't have to follow along on the screen here. He says, Jesus is beginning to proclaim this idea that he's the good shepherd and the Pharisees don't understand what he's saying. They're like, we don't understand that figure of speech. They did not understand what he was saying to them. This is who he's speaking to. So a lot of times we look at John 10 and we're like, you know what? That's, that's awesome for us as Christians. Like it's, it's good for us to know, give me a hat, give me a t-shirt, give me a bumper sticker and the coffee mug. I want chapter 34, we have this prophetic word. It says, it's long, so hang hang with me here. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. I'm against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and I will put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on days of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from people and gather them from all countries. And I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them into justice. Pretty intense passage. Now here's what's happening. The common practice At the Feast of Dedication, the common practice at Hanukkah is that in all of the synagogues, they would be reading Ezekiel chapter 34. And Jesus walks in, in the midst of that, to the Pharisees and says, I'm the Good Shepherd. Total different context than the way most of the time we read this, right? I'm the Good Shepherd. The person that Ezekiel chapter 34, the one, the I, that keeps surfacing in that passage, it's Jesus. He's here. He's present. And he's come to give us life. That favorite passage in John chapter 10, verse 10, says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and I came that they may have life And have it abundantly. The question I'm going to answer for us tonight is, is Jesus your good shepherd? Are you experiencing the abundant life that Jesus comes to offer? I think we're all searching for life. We're all looking for that sense of abundance. We're all looking for the the rich and fullness that Jesus comes to bring. That we're not just surviving, but we're thriving in this world. And so I want to invite us tonight into this idea. How do we enter into the life that Jesus offers us in John chapter 10, verse 10? And what does this abundant life look like? So verse 1 and 2, we're going to walk through this together. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Here's the first thing I would tell you. I love alliteration. That's how my brain thinks. L, all right, follow along with me. Leave all other ways attempting to get to God. If you wanna enter into the abundant life that Jesus comes to offer, he tells us right here that he's the door, that he, he's the way. He said those who enter the sheepfold but not through the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, right? So Jesus is revealing that there are false ways into entering into this abundant life that he comes to offer. And he's speaking to the Pharisees, which means the way in which he's talking about, the way in which they're trying to get to God is through religion, they're bringing their religious practices, they're bringing their religious activity, they're, doing, they're bringing their good works and they're bringing those before and they're trying to climb in by posturing themselves in a way to produce something in a way to earn this life that God offers. And Jesus says, you don't have to come in that way. If you come to my house, I hope you enter through the door. If you try to come through the window, you might be met with something, all right? That There might be something that stands in your way. And Jesus said, those who come not through the door but are trying to enter another way are thieves and robbers. This would be a challenge to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were constantly adding rules. And you and I, it's easy for us to think that there's other ways for us to get to God. There's other ways for us to get to this abundant life you know what, if I just have enough money, if I just have enough stuff, if I just have enough friends, if I just have enough popularity, if I just have enough likes, then I'll have this abundant life. Then I really will have entered into this abundance. And Jesus says, there's one way, and he's the door, he's the way. He's pointing out that ultimately, all that religion can offer people is death. It doesn't lead to life. If you're attempting to get to God by any other means other than Jesus, it leads to death. Galatians chapter 3 verse 3 says, are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? Are you trying to keep yourself Put yourself, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and try to bring yourself to this place of earning this righteousness. You didn't earn it. It was a work of the spirit. The spirit produces spiritual things; The flesh produces fleshly things. And God began this work in you by the spirit and the way it's perfected is in the spirit, not by the flesh. So my question is for you tonight, What are the ways that you're trying to find the abundant life? What are the other ways that you're attempting to get in? We think about the the thieves and robbers, the Pharisees, they're trying to get in. They're putting barriers, they're putting obstacles in the way. When Jesus says, I'm the door, you can enter in, he says people are trying to climb over the fence. He's saying, why are we trying to create barriers? Why are we not showing people that there actually is a way? We want to be a church. First Baptist Church exists. We want to be a place that doesn't put barriers up and tell people that, hey, you got to stand outside. We say, hey, the the sheepfold's open. You got to come through the way of Jesus, that Jesus is the way. You don't have to climb over barriers to get to God. He is available. Jesus is the way and what's key about that is Jesus is saying to you and I he's speaking to you and I that there is a door into the kingdom of God there's a door there's a way there's a there's there's a place to enter in and what what is interesting about this, and it's, it's important to kind of go back. Again, most of us aren't. Anybody a shepherd in here? Anybody shepherding? Okay. So we, we, we probably don't understand a lot of the context. But a lot of times to keep your animals safe at night, what they would do is they would kind of huddle them up, maybe in a ravine or against a mountainscape, and they'd push them back, and they would bring some thistle or brush and begin to pile it up. And if there wasn't anything to put in the way of the door, Jesus would lie in the, the shepherd would lie in the door. And this is what Jesus is describing himself. He says, I'm actually going to be the door. I'm going to be the gate. I'm the way that people enter in. It was meant to offer this picture of protection, but also illustrate this, this picture of going, we actually enter in, the way we enter into the abundant life is through Jesus. So this is good news. And for those of us who may have not entered into the sheepfold and entered into the abundant life that Jesus offers, there's a way. Like, if if all we need to know tonight is there's a way, that's great news. The other thing I would tell you is there's a lot of people that don't know in the world that there's a way that there's a way to enter into the abundant life that Jesus comes to offer. Five times in John chapter 10, he's gonna tell us, I lay down my life. 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 Several years ago, I was leading a group of uh, young adults at our home, and we were walking through the story of God. And we weren't very far. We were just in the, in the, in the book of Genesis and we got to the place where Adam and Eve sinned and it's, it says that in that moment that angels and a flaming sword guarded the tree of life and they were banned from the garden. And I remember this person who, who, who wasn't a, a believer at the time and I just asked it, he, he asked the question, he's like, how are they going to get back? And I love that question because it automatically assumes that God is going to make a way. That God's going to make a way back into life. That God is going to make a way to get back into relationship. That God is going to make a way to get back into all things being right. And he tells us how. He says, I'm going to lay down my life. 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 And you're like, you know what? A lot of people can lay down their life. But in verse 17, he says he's going to take it up again. Now, I don't know anybody who's done that. Right, Jesus is saying, there is a way. There's a way. You weren't born in the kingdom of God. You, you weren't born into this life. In fact, Psalm 51.5 five said you, you were brought forth in iniquity. So you were brought forth in sin. You haven't always been a Christian. You don't become a Christian by going to the church. You don't become a Christian by jumping over the fence and trying to find another way. You become a Christian and enter into this life by going through the door. You have to walk through this door. There is access. And we need people. We need people like you and I to lead people to that door, to enter into the abundant life. We need people to remind us that there is a door and we have access. When we feel alone, when we feel isolated, when we feel like, Man, life is fallen apart. We need to be reminded that we've been invited in. There's a door. Let's go on, three through five. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow them, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Here's the eye. Here's the eye. Ignore all other voices but the good shepherd. Ignore all other voices but the good shepherd. Now, you know this well well, as I do. There's a lot of voices in today's world. There's a, in, in fact, there if you want, whatever opinion you have about things in the world, you can find someone to agree with you. In fact, social media has that amazing algorithm that actually finds like-minded people so that you have this whole sounding board that, that is full of people that actually agree with you and are stating some of the same thing. They have the same agendas you do, and they're fighting for the same things. There's a lot of voices speaking in the world today. Whose voice do we listen to? We live in a world today where we all need shepherds. We all need guides, but we've kind of grown, grown skeptical about guides. We've kind of grown skeptical about the shepherds in the world today because their voice doesn't sound like the voice of Jesus, right? And so our, our voice that we are to follow is the voice of the good shepherd. There's a recent survey done amongst high school students Uh, recently by George Barna. And the study asked high school students where they would first turn in times of tension, confusion, or crisis, okay? Their fathers were ranked number 25 on the list. Fathers, 25. Mothers came in about number 11. Moms, gotta love them, number 11. Music and personal friends scored in one and two. Music and personal friends, that's the voice. In times of tension, in times of chaos, we're, we're going to friends and we're going to music. This is where we're headed. And this is tragic, this is tragic. It's not that your friends don't have your best interest in mind. It's just easy for us sometimes. Young people, this is what's key. When we're surrounded by the dangers of the desert, We're always looking, we're always looking for any shepherd that will tell us the easiest way out. And that's dangerous, that's dangerous. In times of chaos, in times of of tension, in times of trouble, in times of suffering, we're looking to anyone and anything that can get us out of this and that's our shepherd. That's who we're listening to. And that's why it's key here that we need to learn his voice. We need to learn his voice. There was, uh, in the late 1980s, you wouldn't know this, okay, because you weren't around. But in the late 1980s, imagine this. Someone would call you, and you had no idea who it was. Did you know that? There was no phone number saying like, hey, Stephen Patterson is calling you right now. You had to pick it up, you said hello and they're like hey what's up and you're like oh Stephen hey man what's going on how did, how did I know you recognized their voice right there was no caller ID that was not invented and so you had to spend all this like awkward time going like oh yeah yeah I totally know who you are and you didn't right this is how it worked now you've never had to experience this but you had to spend enough time with the person to be able to recognize their voice. Here's the question for you. Have you spent enough time with the good shepherd to recognize his voice? Have you spent enough time with the good shepherd to recognize when he is speaking to you? I had a buddy when we first planted our church in Salt Lake City. He was a, a pastor in Tacoma, Washington. And, uh, I saw him, he was, we went to visit him at his house and he was standing out. And again, this is kind of a weird scene, but this is what I saw. Like he's out watering the grass and he has a book. I I can't tell what it is, but he's watering the grass and he's reading a book. Now, I read for information. I don't really enjoy to read, okay? And so I'm not a reader. I'm not watering my grass reading, but he's watering his grass and he's reading. And he comes in and I'm like, hey man, what are you reading? What are you what are you doing? Like why are you like reading on gardening? What are you doing out there? And he's like, I'm just, I'm reading the Bible, man. I'm like, you're reading the Bible. Like, why, why are you doing that when you're watering? You know, like what's the point? Do that at, you know, have a quiet time in the morning, spend time with work, maybe at lunch. Like, what's the deal? Like, why are you watering? He's and I said, what, what books are you reading? And I was just interested. I was intrigued. I was trying to learn from him. And he's like, man, I'm not, I'm actually not reading a ton of books right now. It's not that books are bad. He's like, as a young pastor, he said, I'm really just trying to learn and discern the voice of the good shepherd. I'm trying to not hear all the other voices speaking to me from this author and this podcast and this, this person that I want to open God's word and I want to put myself in the faithful presence of a pastor, a teacher to invest and speak into my life. And I'm going to open God's word and I want to get acquainted with him. I want to know his voice. I want to have his voice speaking to me. I want to know what his voice sounds like. I want to know what it is that he's saying. I want to know what what it is that he wants me to do. I want to hear from him. And did you know that he's speaking? Psalm 19.1, it says, the heavens declare. What does that mean? It's the heavens, the world, creation is speaking. God is speaking. Are you listening? We got to tune out the voices. Which means for some of us, we gotta get silent in a place of solitude. And sometimes that's one of the most fearful places to be because it's in those moments that we're bombarded with all the disappointments and fears and losses of life. But it's in those moments that Jesus, the good shepherd, can truly speak to us. We gotta listen. Then in verse four through five, it says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so they recognize the voice. And, and what he's talking about here is the Pharisees. He's like, he's, we want to be able to recognize the voice of the Pharisees saying that it's through religion that we can enter into this abundant life. And he says, I want you to hear my voice. I want you to know my voice. But it's one thing to hear my voice. It's one thing to follow and obey my voice. It's one thing to come and actually hear the words we can hear and not actually put into practice. So we got to follow. We got to follow the good shepherd. He's inviting us. He's saying, hey, you got to follow me. You got to come into this door through the door. The world offers many doors. There's many doors. There's many places. There's many options. There's many things that we are, we are following or looking to to give us life. And Jesus says, You got to follow me. I was in a, a restaurant in San Diego. You may have been at this restaurant. I walked in, went to the restroom, went to wash my hands. I look up, and there's a woman staring at me. Okay, this is kind of weird, right? I typically don't go to the restroom with the opposite sex. And I'm standing there and I'm washing my hands. I look up and I'm like, I walked through the wrong door. I'm in the women's restroom. That isn't what happened though. It's just that where you go to wash your hands actually looked into the women's restroom and then it was a wall, but you washed your hands, it was like communal hand washing. But it really throws you off if you don't know it, right? Like you're standing there and you're going, I'm in the women's restroom right now. That is the biggest fear. If you've ever done that, you run out of there, right? And so I'm standing there and I'm going, I walked through the wrong door. Life is filled with many doors. You gotta know which door do you walk through? Which door is the one that really leads to life? Can I tell you the way we know which door is through through this book? the most courageous thing you can do as college students is follow Jesus by being obedient to God's word. You want to stand out? You want to stand up? I mean, the most courageous thing you can do today is be faithful to what Jesus asks of you and follow him. To follow him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 tells of this, this story of people who hear the words of Jesus but don't follow them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house who built his house on a rock and the rain fell and the floods came the winds blew and they beat on that house but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine but don't follow them doesn't do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain fell the floods came the winds blew what happened it fell. It fell. You got you to gotta listen and you got to follow. His voice is speaking. You have a guide. You have a shepherd. You have someone to lead you. Out in my part of the city where I live, there's this corn maze happening right now. And imagine yourself in the middle of a corn maze and you're there, and you can't see your way out. You can't navigate your way out of this corn maze, right? But imagine if you had someone who was like the helicopter over, and you had a walkie-talkie, and they were guiding you, and they were saying, hey, you need to turn left, hey, turn right. That corn maze would be a lot easier, right? It would probably lead to your flourishing, and may not make the corn maze that fun, but you would be successful at being able to navigate that. And I tend to think that that's the way our good Shepherd leads us, that he speaks to us and he guides us and he gives us parameters of life. He tells us the directions in which we should go and how to go about living this life. But it's only to the extent that we actually follow his instructions that we make our way out, right? Jesus is all knowing, all seeing. He can tell us, he can lead us, he can guide us. Are you listening? Are you following? Last thing is this. Enter into life. Enter into life. We got to leave all other attempts to get to God. We got to ignore the voices. We got to listen to the good shepherd. We got to follow his voice. And then we got to enter in. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and he'll find pasture. That's life. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here's what Jesus is inviting you into. Rest and security. Rest and security. You can rest. You can rest. The weight, the anxiety, the fears. Jesus says, let me lead you. Let me guide you. Enter into my rest and security and find pasture. The truth is, as we think about this idea of entering in through this door into a gate, into a fenced area, some of us are like, I don't want to be fenced in. Well, this morning, I got a call from my father-in-law, and he's like, hey, I need you to, I need you to go over to my property, and uh, I had a calf get out in the road and get hit by a car. And so I go, and I'm there, and I'm, pick up this calf and throw it in the back of my truck. And what happened? Well, there was a fence, but it didn't want to stay within the confines of the fence. It's like, I want freedom. And a lot of times we go, you know what? I I want freedom in life. I don't want to be fenced in. I feel like God's always trying to fence me in. I feel like the good shepherd just wants to fence me in. And although that fence is there for our rest and our protection... And for our guidance and for our well-being, sometimes we go, I want to live outside the fence. I want to and living outside the fence leads to death. It leads to death. C.S. Lewis talked about this. C.S. Lewis talked about this idea of freedom and a gate and a fence being a liberator. He said, A good gate doesn't restrict, but it gives freedom. And he talked about this idea of a a fence on top of a mountain and allowing kids to play. He said this, a good gate liberates us and sets us free. Imagine a scene on the top of a mountain, a beautiful mountaintop where every side is a steep cliff and if you were to fall off, you would certainly die. Now imagine small children playing on top of that mountain, on top of this beautiful scenery all around them those children are not free on top of that mountain. Although they might be having fun, now imagine someone has built a high fence all around the top of those ma- uh, top of the mountain and now those children are allowed to play with the safety of that fence. Are the children really free when there is no fence or are they more free when they're protected and safe? Get that? That's what the gate does. That's what the fence does. That's what coming into the life Jesus offers. It actually sets us free and liberates us and allows us to breathe, allows us to rest, and allows us to experience the life that he comes to offer. Do you know Jesus as the good shepherd? Is he your good shepherd? Is he inviting you into rest Tonight. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. I want you to think through a few things with me tonight. Jesus has offered us this proclamation that He's the good shepherd. And I want you to think: if I were to go to my kids tonight and I were to look at them, their name's Jet Jackson and Lila Kate, and I said, Hey Jet, hey Jackson, Lila Kate, I'm a good daddy. I'm a good dad. The only reason I would tell them that is because I would want them to avail themselves to all the privileges of me being their good dad. If I go to my wife, say, Amber, I'm a good husband. I want Amber to avail herself of all the privileges of what it means for me to be a good husband. Here's what I would tell you tonight. That Jesus saying that he is the good shepherd, he is offering you tonight to avail yourself, to take on full ownership of all the privileges of knowing him as your good shepherd. Charles Spurgeon says this, this should encourage you and me to get full hold of the word. If Jesus is so pleased to be my shepherd, let me be equally pleased to be his sheep and let me avail myself of all the privileges that are wrapped up in him being my shepherd and in me being his sheep. I see that it no, not worry him for me to be his sheep. I see that my needs will cause him no perplexity. I see that he will not be going out of his way to attend to my weakness and trouble. He delights to dwell on the fact that I am the good shepherd. He wants to show you that he is your good shepherd. He wants to illustrate to you that he is the good shepherd and he invites you, as it were, to come and bring your wants and woes to him and he invites you to look up to him, to be fed by him, to be protected by him, to rest in him, to be secure in him. Therefore, I will do it. Will you? Will you do it? Will you avail yourself of all the privileges? Will you leave all other ways of trying to gain life? Will you ignore all the voices in the world trying to tell you this is where life is really found and listen to him and he's saying, listen to me, do you hear my voice? Do you follow him? Do you trust him? When you go, that's what you're asking of me, Lord, then I'm I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do it. I trust that you are leading me to the abundant life. I'm gonna follow you. And then enter in, enter in. Three questions that I would just have you process tonight. We're gonna have a time of response and a time of prayer. Where are you looking to find life tonight? Where are you looking to? It's only found in Jesus. He's the door. He's the door. Some of us tonight, we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus. Some of us tonight, we need to enter into that door. We need to enter into relationship with him and say, I want to know that I know that I know that Jesus is my good shepherd. I want him to be my guide. I want him to lead me. That's you tonight. Maybe a question for you to wrestle with tonight is whose voice are you listening to? Are you posturing yourself in a way to get into a space to hear him, to listen to him, to know what it is that he wants to speak to you, not just ask of you, but his good gifts and blessings that he wants to bestow on you? Are you listening to him? Maybe tonight you just need to get alone. You need to spread out across this room and you need to just hear from him. Maybe tonight you need to ask yourself, Are you following the good shepherd? Is there areas of your life that you're walking in disobedience? That you're like, I know that he's asked me to do this. I know he's asked me to step into this. I know that that leads to life, but I just don't wanna give it up. I wanna do my own thing. I wanna go my own way. And I would just encourage you tonight that by the power of the Holy Spirit, right now in this room, you would be convicted And you would be moved to a place of seeing the kindness of the Lord as your good shepherd tonight to move you to a place of response, of repentance, to come to him and go, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to trust that you know what's best, and I'm going to listen to you, and I want to follow you. I want to take a step towards that tonight. And maybe that means coming forward here in just a second, we're going to have people on the sides to pray for you, to encourage you. And maybe tonight that means coming and just confessing and saying, I want to follow the Lord in this area of life. What's going to be, what will be your response this evening? I'm going to pray for us. Team's going to be up here. We're going to respond. I pray in the next few moments that you would hear him. He's your good shepherd.